Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, undying listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and it is Friday, which means we are back in another new episode, working through a minor prophet in the Old Testament, as we have been doing so for the last uh, handful of weeks, working through various minor prophets in the Old Testament to um, dig into uh, books that aren't generally talked about or just you know, worked through by preachers, and uh, and I find them to be ever important uh, in the church, kind of overall, because they help build some of the fundamental truths that come into the New Testament. Now, they are most often prophesying against some sort of disaster coming against Israel for their disobedience, and we know that we don't have that pressure upon Christians today because God's wrath has been subsided in Christ on the death and uh, uh, on the cross. But we know that there is judgment coming for the unbeliever. And so there is a sense of urgency for the Christians to preach the gospel. But in terms of our disobedience or our lack of obedience or our ability to um, fulfill everybody's desires to you know, whether it's uh, producing fruit or whatever it may be, we always will come up short. And thankfully, our God is a God of mercy. And even still, as we read through a lot of these Old Testament prophets, we see that he's slow to anger. He, he will let generations go, waiting for them to repent. And then he sends the prophets to them. And then when the prophets, uh, you know, don't get Israel to repent, then God brings judgment against them. And so there's always... Uh, the, the time that God gives. And this is the time between the, the ascension of Christ and until and he returns that the church is to go into the world and, and make disciples. We are to go into the world and baptize and preach the gospel and hopes that uh, we will draw more people to Christ. And that is the that is now kind of the, the focus, if you would, on of the church today. 
And, uh, you know, it's not about adhering to particular laws, ceremonial laws, or, you know, whether we commit a sin, we have to offer sacrifices. All that stuff was done and completed in Christ. And so there's there's good things to pull from the Old Testament because we get to see some, you know, the, the history of Israel and we get to see how, uh, and you know, they were in some instances triumphant and, uh, you know, God showed them favor and blessings and then in others that they were disobedient and idolatrous and God brings judgment to them. And so it's, it's a, an interesting deep dive into this understanding of books that most of the time we just either will skim through or read without really trying to understand uh, what it is um, happening. And so we would read a book like Amos or uh, Joel or, um, you know, Habakkuk or, or Malachi or any of these other prophets. And we would probably get to an extent and say, I don't understand why it's in like a poem form or, like as we will see here in chapter five, it's a lamentation that uh, we are seeing God addressing. So it it is unique and beneficial for us to read, but we should also understand the distinction between the nation of Israel and their disobedience and Christians today. So we're going to dig into chapters five and six of uh, Amos, and we're going to work through that text. Five is rather lengthy. Um, so we're going to just dig right into it, uh, and we will go from there, and uh, we'll wrap with chapter six today because you know we've got just a few more chapters um, to do here in this book. Uh, we've got I got to go back to the Old Testament here. So we're at five. We'll do five and six today. Next Friday will be seven, maybe seven, eight, and nine. I, I gotta I'll have to kind of see where we are time wise. Um, but maybe we'll do all three next week and just wrap up and we'll, I just got to see how the length of those chapters are. So that's that. Let's get into chapter five, uh, titled seek the Lord and live Hear This word that I take over, take up over you in lamentation. O house of Israel fallen no more to rise as the virgin Israel forsaken on her land with none to rise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that went out a thousand shall have, uh, went out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which went out a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgal, or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out fire in the house of Joseph and devour with none to quench it for Bethel. O you who turn uh, who th- turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth, he who made the plaids in the Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Who makes destruction flash forth against the strong, so that destruction comes up, uh, comes upon the fortress. They hate him who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor 
and you do not exact taxes of grain from him. You have built houses of hewn stone, and you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions, and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe, and turn aside the needy in the gate. Therefore, he who is prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, so that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. And you have said, Hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of the hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, says the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord, in all the squares there shall be wailing, or wailing, and all the streets they shall cry, Alas, alas. They shall call the farmers to mourning, and, they, and the wailing those who are skilled in lamentation. And in the vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through your mist, says the Lord. And that concludes the opening thought, and verse 18 begins a new one here. It says, let justice roll down. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. It is if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or went down into the house and learned and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate and despise your feasts. And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, and to the melody of your harps I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters, and the righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you bring me the sacrifice and offerings during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You shall take up skill cloth with your king and Kilian, your star god your images that you made for yourselves and i will send you into exile beyond damascus says the lord whose name is god of hosts here in chapter five so let's dig into what is going on here in these two parts so we have in an opening section in chapter five the lamentation which is uh basically a, a structure poem or song that was used as a mourning. Uh, it's ex especially associated with the death and were sometimes sung by professional mourners, as indicated in um, later in verse 16 and then in Jeremiah 9:17. Remarkably, Amos is not mourning the death of its listeners themselves, but initiating their this dire in their hearing. The prophet effectively tells the people of the northern kingdom that their nation is doomed. That is the house of Israel, the northern kingdom. So then in verse 2, I, I, this is an interesting little line, fallen no more to rise. The Assyrians here are going to attack and finally conquer Israel, which they do in uh, 722 BC. Uh, once, departed, or once deported by the victors, the survivors of Israel will never return and thus become the famous 10 lost tribes of Israel. Though the nation ought to be a flower of its youth and vitality, it's destined to remain unfulfilled and separated from the bridegroom by tragedy. And then God gives us in this lament here in verse 3, the thousand shall be a hundred left and all the way down to ten. Israel is going to suffer overwhelming defeat and be left shattered. Here is the reason for the condition described in verse 2. The house of Israel phrase, 
uh, both begins and ends with the diurge from verses 1 through 3. And this is the device to round out the lament. So then we get, so so we, we have the warning essentially set up that in verses 2 and 3 that God is going to devastate, bring devastating judgment to the house of Israel. But he gives us this notion again, another line of repentance, seek me. In verse 4, God says this, for thus says the Lord, seek me and live. In verse 5, he says, but do not seek Bethel, do not enter into Gilgal, cross over to Beersheba. So he gives us this notion, seek God, do not seek the things of the world. God's longing has been unfulfilled, as indicated in various passages in this book. The Lord is long-suffering and compassionate. This is indicated throughout the Psalms, especially 86.15 and Exodus 34.6. Whenever sin increases, his grace abounds all the more, Romans 5.20, as Paul writes. Further tragedy can be still averted through repentance, which is why this refrain is repeated again in verse 6 and in verse 14. Now, as I mentioned, do not seek the things of the world. Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba are centers of blasphemous worship in Amos's day. And uh, so we should also note the literary arrangement here. Bethel, Gilgal, Beersheba, Gilgal, Bethel. This chasm emphasizes Bethel as a prime target of the Lord's wrath. And I find it interesting that uh, here that Bethel is going to be the prime target, whereas we have all these churches now like Bethel Church, and you know they they are kind of, and they all fall into the same trap here. They're they blasphemous worship today uh, with these churches, and they carry proudly the name. And I just you know, and this is why it's important to understand you know these these locations and where God is going to draw His wrath upon. And then we we see that reflected in the church today. And all you could do is just be like. You just shake your head because you're 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 so f- they're so far down the path of deceited or deceitfulness that they've deceived themselves into thinking that what they're doing is biblical and right, and we know from a fact that it's just simply not. Anywho, I could rant on false churches all day, but again, let's move on here. So, we're, uh, wormwood uh, again, something that's going to be. Uh, demonstrated later throughout passages but it's a bitter plant with a repulsive taste uh, accordingly it represents sorrow as proverbs 5 4 and limitations 3 15 state once again amos rolls rails against the prevalent justice of his day especially the abuse of the poor as he does throughout this letter uh, verses 8 and 9 is a doxology of judgment an interesting little note there um, these are the Pilates and Orion are just a pair of consolations. Uh, this is indicated in uh, Job thirty-eight thirty-one as well. But then we have this, you know, as indicated the doxology of judgment. We have this uh, notion that he, that we see the God who turns darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night. An interesting little passage here. Uh, the Lord governs light and darkness, creates the seas, and pours them out wherever he wishes. It is his creation, not ours. Let's jump down to verse 11 here. Uh, we should. I'm going to reread it here. It says, Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you extract uh, exact taxes of grain from him, 
You have built houses of hewn stone. You shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards. You shall not drink of their wine. Note the change from the indefinite they, which is back in verse 10. They hate him who reproves in the gate, and they adore, abhor him who speaks the truth. Uh, and now we shift the uh, language from they to you, an accusation that is going to be prevalent in verses 11 and 12. This becomes pointed in a personal rebuke. Uh, the taxes were one way for the poor to be exploited rather than protected, uh, as noted in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. The poor who actually worked the land, the unrighteous wealthy, not only profited from their labor, but also imposed unjust taxes on the, on the poor. Uh, in the houses of hewn stone or expensive homes, Associated with the royal households, however, Israel will not enjoy the fruit of these ill-gotten gains. So, verse 12, the needy in the gate is the poor bring lawsuits in order to protect their rights and to secure justice. And notice how verse 10 through 12 begin and end with references to legal proceedings at a city gate. So we continue on in this uh, assertment of judgment here all the way through verse 17, as I indicated when we were reading it, uh, or this lament, I should say. And then we move into the justice aspect in verse 18. So to summarize this up, we have uh, Amos singing a famous funeral dir- uh, dirge over Israel. For the Lord is soon to come in judgment against the nation for abandoning the covenant the Lord's judgment still threatens all that who would place anything or anyone above him. At the same time, God remains merciful and long-suffering. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather wishes to see the wicked turn from their evil ways. Ezekiel 33.11 So we still have the same issues today. The church is constantly focused on drawing themselves back to idolatrous ways. And we've talked about this on numerous podcast episodes where we dig into the falsehoods of, of teachings and, and all that that exist in the church today. And, we, you know, for those who are obedient and faithful to the gospel, we cry out to the Lord, how much longer shall we suffer in this world until you return and free us from the sin and from the false teachers? How much longer, O Lord? It's coming. We just don't know when. And it could be in our lifetime. It could be in our grandkids' lifetime. It could be 10 more generations. Who knows? But what we do know is we have been given this gift of life that we can go and call people to the Lord through the gospel preaching. So let's move on here, verses 18 to the end of the chapter. We now have the justice rolling down here. The day of the Lord is another word, uh, another the, the phrase that comes up again here. Um, This is likely referring to the day that God will allow Israel's enemies to attack and destroy the northern tribes and take them into exile. Uh, We get the darkness and light again here that there will be darkness and no salvation for Israel. So the day of the Lord we've covered extensively on on previous episodes and in our eschatology series. We actually did a whole episode on that phrase, the day of the Lord. And so often, as I've indicated, there are notions of... um, localized judgment or broad entire uh, final judgment brought against the earth. Uh, Verse 19 here, uh, as it, as if a man fled from a lion and the bear met him, 
Uh, it's a pair of similes portray things going from bad to worse, like jumping out of the frying pan but into the fryer and into the fire. Israel's condemnation is now inevitable. And then verses 21 through 23, we see where that Israel may continue to offer worship described in these verses. It will not do, it will do no good where simple justice and humility are lacking even in the most orthodox ritual and the finest of music is nothing more than a uh, hypocritical sham. Luther says this, he says, the wicked do not please the Lord regardless of how great or splendid their works may be. And that is what God is saying in these verses. You can do all of this wonderful stuff if you like, but I don't give two hoots and holler about it. You can bring me all of these sacrifices and burnt offerings, and I don't care. You, Your faults are not found in how you address the biblical context of worship. It's the fact that you are also worshiping other things. You are... Uh, paying tributes to other gods you are acknowledging other you know rulers and nations to to reign among you they i mean israel really had a variety of idolatrous issues uh 21 here the the i hate and i despise is forceful denunciations of israel's insecure insincere worship so it's like you know, as Jesus makes the comment to the Pharisees, they're whitewashed tombs. They're beautiful and extravagant on the outside, but inside they're dead and decaying. And that's exactly what is happening with Israel's worship here. It's there is no heart in it. There is no humility. And, you know, as in verses 21 through 23 instant, uh, point to where simple justice is lacking. It it proves to be of no use to Israel to continue doing this. And so the Lord is rejecting all of the sacrifices uh, by those acting righteous, but lacking sincere faith. Malachi six, six through eight notes that as well. So this continues on really until the end of the chapter. And uh, so that'll wrap chapter five. Let's read the summary here though. People of Israel are living under the delusion that their prosperity is a sign of God's approval and that their uh, perfunction perfectionary offering and sacrifices is keeping the Lord satisfied, even though they act unjustly and honor their other gods. But God's first expectation has ever been and will always be, you shall have no other gods before me. Amos teaches us that grace and faith are true basis for worship in a right relationship with the Lord. His invitation never stands. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So that concludes chapter Five, uh, as I said, chapter six is a little bit shorter. It's only fourteen verses long, so we're going to work through that real quick. But before we do, uh, I wanted to kind of maybe change the pace of the show a little bit, and I wanted to, especially on these two chapter episodes, maybe uh, insert kind of a quick commercial break for you. But I'm not going to have something that's Acast sponsored. It'll be my commercial because I don't like the ones that they do sometimes. I'm very, I'm not pleased with some of them. I actually had to go in and do a blacklist and lock out uh, a whole bunch of content that I don't agree with. And I finally figure out how to do that. So anyways, the only thing I have for you, if you are listening to the show and you enjoy this content, please come join us on Patreon. support the show dollar a month, $10 a year. You can support more if you'd like, uh, we're actively working on creating new, uh, tiers to help, uh, with 
you know, the information that you would get and uh, the content that would be delivered to you. So we're actively working on content and, uh, and structuring to make it, uh, you know, maybe more appeasing for those who would like to give more, but I don't ask for any of that. You know, uh, I, I, a dollar a month helps the show go a little bit more. And so if you are blessed by this, or, you know, people that would be blessed, please share the show with them. Uh, leave us reviews on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Share this show with people who you um, go to church with, your family members, your friends, your congregational uh, members, and all that. Share it out. Put it on social media. Uh, tag me if you would. I love that. So I'm I'm blessed by those who do support this ministry, and I'm blessed by those who who are blessed by this ministry. I know a lot of people message me and they, they enjoy the show. And I, and I, that to me is the greatest impact. You know, I don't do the show to make it, to make money. I don't do the show, you know, um, to, to, to rake in the, the Benny Hinn millions or, you know, Kenneth Copeland billions or whatever. Uh, I do the show because I love you guys and I love the Lord and I want to teach and I like to talk, uh, about God and his word. And so, uh, I, it's the whole p- point and purpose to the show. And so if you are blessed and you want to know more about what we're doing, uh, you'll get a whole bunch of exclusive content uh, made available to you by joining us on Patreon, and uh, you'll get much more than just the show. So that's the only big commercial I've got. I just wanted to try something a little different. We got into the content real quick, and then we moved through Chapter 5 because I knew it was a long chapter. And, uh, and then we transition into this short little segment and now we're going to get into chapter six. And so, uh, again, I can't thank you guys enough for the support. Even if you don't monetarily give to the show, you guys, uh, by just listening, um, are, are helping the show grow. And so I appreciate that. And, uh, again, leave reviews, leave us, um, send me comments, questions, anything like that. I'm all open. I'm even open for criticism. If you don't like the show, tell me why I'd love to hear, you know, I, am not, I, I don't expect everybody to agree or like the content I do. I, I know a lot of people who follow me on social media and they're like, I don't agree with everything you say, but I like your content. I'm like, okay, cool. Great. Praise God. You know, cause that's what I'm here to do is share God's word with you. So chapter six, woe to those who at ease in Zion. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria. The notable men of the first of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes pass over to Calneth and see. And from here go to Hamath the great and then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than those kingdoms or is their territory greater than your territory? Or you who put far away the day of the disaster will bring near the seat of violence. Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out from their couches and eat lambs of the flock and calves in the midst of the, tra- of the stall, who sing idle songs to the, so- to the sound of the harp and, like David, invert for themselves instruments of music who drink wine in their bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they shall now be the first of those who go into exile, and the rivalry of those who stretch themselves out shall pass away. The Lord God has sworn by himself, declares the Lord the God of hosts. I abhor the pride of Jacob and the hate 
and hate his strongholds, and I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. And in, and if ten men remain in one house, they shall die. And when one's relative, the one who anoints him for burial, shall take him up and bring the bones out of the house, and shall say to him who is in the innermost part of the house, Is there still anyone with you? And he shall say, No. And he shall say, Silence. We must not mention the name of the Lord. For behold, the Lord commands, and even the great house shall be struck down into fragments, and the little house into bits. Do horses run on rocks? Does one plow there with oxen? But you have turned justice into poison and the fruits of the righteousness into wormwood. You who rejoice in Lodabar, who say, Have we not by our own strength captured Karnam for ourselves? For behold, I will raise up another against you a nation, O house of Israel, declares the Lord, the God of hosts, and they shall oppress you from Lebo Hamoth to the brook of the Arabah. So that is chapter six. So a lot happening again going on here. We've got, uh, you know, another passage or another note here to Zion, uh, the hill in which the uh, Jerusalem temple stood. Here it stands for the whole southern kingdom in the cap in the uh, Samaria here, this capital of Israel. Here it stands for the whole nation uh, for the northern kingdom, the notable men, those whom uh, the people call for advice, leadership, and example to follow. It is doubtful that they are advising as they ought. The nation needed to heed Amos's wor- uh, warnings and repent. These cities named in chat, uh, verses 2 through 3 here, uh, Kalna, Hamoth, and Gath, uh, if these three powerful city-states suffer military incursions and defeat, how can Israel expect to be spared of the same fate? since they uh, were heartily in a better position. So it it's just showing here uh, that uh, even the, these great nations uh, have suffered defeat, and that is what's going to happen to Israel. Verse 3, the seat of violence. This is uh, Amos repeats this charge against Israel's pervasive injustice and their uh, oppression of the poor, as he talks about throughout the letter. As a result of their callous and even brutal behavior, Israel's leaders will bear a special responsibility for participating in every disaster they claim will never occur. The beds of ivory is the symbols of luxury. The numerous places of furniture inlaid with the ivory and uh, the Philistian style has been unearthed in Israel. So interesting uh, note there. So we get this notion of luxury. We get this... Uh, you know, comforted life, you know, they're, they're reaping benefits that, uh, they claim that they brought into themselves. And, uh, and this is what, again, is another notion that's going to anger God because it is he who provides not, you know, these, um, false gods that Israel is currently turning to in verse six, the wine and bowls, uh, who drink wine and bowls, it's not just cups, but bowls of wine were being consumed. Bowls mentioned here uh, were used in the temple for sprinkling sacrificial blood on the altar, which implies abuse by the priests or Levites. So that's an interesting thing, too, because, again, it's they're, they're getting fat on the wine, and they are greatly doing a disservice to the Lord in terms of their worship here. So this continues... Uh, 
through the really the rest of the chapter again it's not a very long chapter it's only 14 verses um but uh, this notion of Israel's failure to properly worship God uh, is being demonstrated as Amos is writing this warning. And uh, we, we get to the end of it, chapter 6, and we see here that many in Israel made pampering themselves a full-time occupation, smugly imagining the material wealth as a clear-cut proof that, God, that they were right with God. People today make the same mistake, interpreting their material prosperity as a sign that they need not humble themselves and turn away from their complacency. However, God desires to give himself to us. This is why his son became incarnate for us, for our salvation. And so I think that pays us good to read these passages and see that just because we are well off or we have material success, um, you know, prosperity in this life, that doesn't mean God is showing us favor. And this is a big, this is instrumental in, against the prosperity movement because it is showing us that, you know, yes, Israel was, you know, like a fattened calf here in these passages. You know, they drank wine until they were drunk. They drank it from bowls instead of cups, so they had more there. Uh, and uh, they, you know, lived on in a lavish lifestyle with their ivory beds and these uh, houses uh, hewed of stone. And they were they were wealthy and, and prosperous. This was not, um, but yet in that in that instance, they were thinking they were right with God, but they were far from it. And so. It pays us to read these passages, and it pays us to understand that our prosperity in this world isn't an indication of our rightness with God. The rightness we stand with God comes only through Jesus Christ and our proclamation of him. So that's going to wrap uh, this cha- uh, these two chapters, and next week we'll, I'll see if we can wrap all three if or if we'll split it and do it in two more episodes. But we're getting close to the end, and we're going to move on to Habakkuk next. Uh, I've got a dear friend of mine who is a patron as well uh, reading those few chapters for us, and so I'm very excited to have that happen. Until Tuesday, we will be back with another new episode in the Lutheran Sacrament series, and I hope you guys are enjoying that. Please leave us reviews, comments, questions, complaints, concerns. Shoot them into my DM. I'll try to answer as many as I can. But uh, I hope you guys have a great week, and uh, we will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Get to church and partake in a holy divine service wherever you may be. God bless, and we'll see you later. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.